Hi everyone, welcome to the AI of Mankind show, where I share anything interesting about mankind. I'm your host for this season. My name is Andrew Liu. I've worked across four continents and 12 international cities. Also, I've worked in tech startups across a range of roles from selling products, making customer happy, figuring out fundraising, making finance tick, building teams, and developing sticky products. Apart from building startups, I've also worked in Fortune 500 companies as a chief data scientist or technologist or people leader. You can call me jack of all trades or master of learning. I hope to make this podcast show a great learning experience for us. In each season, there is a series of interesting things where I invite guests to share their views about their life and interests. Now let the show begin. In part one, we embarked on a gripping journey with Sham as he shared his experiences in winning hackathons, developing an innovative R app. Sham, passion for technology and personal growth shone through, captivating our listeners with his resilience and determination. Now, get ready to join us for part two of this enthralling podcast episode as we continue to explore the captivating journey of Sham. We'll delve into the dynamic world of university life and uncover the pivotal decision that led him to pursue computer science. From navigating subject selection to embracing opportunities like online hackathons, Sham, story is filled with triumph, challenges, and valuable insights that will inspire and captivate you. Throughout our conversation, we'll highlight the differences between university and polytechnic education, emphasizing the importance of independent study and decision-making. Sham will share his experiences with networking, overcoming obstacles, and propose the optimization of online hackathons as a hiring tool for companies. This episode promises to provide valuable insights into Sham personal and academic growth, offering a glimpse into the exciting realm of academic exploration, personal development, and the power of following one's passion. Get ready to be inspired and gain a deeper understanding of the transformative journey that awaits in the field of computer science. After the military days, tell us more about how you eventually go to university and why do you choose computer science and what do you do during university days? Yes, and thanks for the question. Yeah. So for when I graduated from uh, polytechnic, I actually had a uh, dilemma. I was trying to assume either because my diploma that I had was actually specializing in both uh, business and corporate technology. But then for when I moved on to uh, university, there wasn't a core that of both aspects in the fight. And the closest that we can get is actually a double degree in business and computer science. But then, for example, for myself, the degree that I have wasn't that it was great. I think a 3.6 out of 4 on the bed. So I want to see one of the top students in my cohort over back then. But for example, back then, you wanted to pursue a double degree. You actually need a perfect score wow. to actually do that, to actually pursue that. Because definitely, it's around five years before a double degree. And there comes a lot of, a lot of sacrifice in terms of time and also for the financial for five years. Yeah, so I think that is one of the things for me, uh, because I came from polytechnic, so there was a lot of modules that I could actually not take because it's actually, I actually fit it some of it in poly already. So I actually don't have to actually go. We can actually cut short the, the curriculum from four years and mm. three five years. Mm. Yeah. So thanks for actually, that, that's my decision. Uh, I actually did that. And after the trade, 
worked on in computer science. Because mm. I think during polytechnic, I keep asked most of my professors, why not we focus on programming, mm. focus on a lot of these different various aspects. Mm. And contents actually, right now, you want to chase the con that I was in, actually got this done. Yes. So there wasn't actually the con that if you want to take a mix of business and IT right now in near polytechnic, you can't because the con is not there anymore. I was one of the most few by over then. Yeah. For so the fact that he merged with the IT school and that's where we share all the insulting of the back. Definitely back then I had more interest or I was getting more like more on it. Operating information technology because I find that it's best and not to not from gambling over there. And so I decided to actually go to pursue computer science in NTU and take on it. And we started a slightly different from from where for both studies wise, definitely there is the deviation as forgiving as fun. Then there no one's gonna tell you, oh okay, you need to study back. There isn't really like a like hard role that you must at and the same time general allow the various project. For example, if you want to overload, overload means that you are for the whole three or five years or four years of your whole syllabus. You have to take a minimum of maybe 150 PUs, which are academic unit. It's actually stayed in six bits of months over there. So for every semester, I think you recommended one recommended that that is doable or that is suitable for students by the school, actually 15, 15 to 16 AUs. So that's around five, five modules. So the core modules actually five academic units. So you can actually fit, sorry, eight modules three of it. So you can actually take five and five core every single semester. So that amounts to testing that then you need to the app. Okay, right. so slow it down here. So I'm trying to get the audience to sink in. So let me repeat it in a different language. So you're saying that they have to take X number of AUs, which is almost like in other countries called university credits, right? And then you have to take five modules, which is about five subjects or five different school subjects and at any one time. Is it, am I understanding it? So that means if one semester is three months and any one month, they have to take five subjects, correct? Correct. Yeah, now you continue. So definitely, you know, unlike secondary school, unlike JC, unlike for one, but one's going to be there to lay no home. You must pass on. Nobody, nobody's going to get their thought on whether it's a part of field. But it's, it's more independent than like, polytechnic for secondary school or junior college. That what is for now, if you are not performing well, then it's going to tell you to perform better. It's really more on intrinsic motivation. I think that's what university, you get more independent and you need to have more intrinsic motivation to motivate yourself to actually go in, in science. Okay, so let me clarify here a bit. When you say a bit more independent, so you're saying that during the high school period, which is in other countries or junior college, polytechnic days, you are given a preset or pre-given subject. That means you need to take subject X, Y, Z, right? And then, whereas in university, you are free to choose on your own, right? Yes, that's right. Yeah. We actually have, they actually give you a guideline on uh, what to choose based on the syllabus. You have to achieve a certain amount of academic units at the end of three to four years. But uh, everything they didn't tell you what you might take or what might not, but they give you a recommended syllabus that you need to take down. So it's up to you whether you want to like, follow that or you want to try your own path to actually take more modules, want to overload more academic units per semester. So instead of, you know, like, 15 academic units per semester, 
you can actually take you can actually overload up to 23 at a year. So that's an extra from three subjects on top of your environment that task that you can pay. Hit it. So if you dance, you you might just finish your fighting faster. You can actually overload it every single semester. So instead of taking 15, you take 23 for every semester. But that that really depends on how fast how fast you learn the subject. Because each subject is very easy at university. Because for I think for poly and poly and JC and JC I think covers death right and back. But for polytechnic, actually it's more breath because you actually learn a lot on the surface and then a little bit on the depth. But for university, you learn a lot, be drilled down a lot on the depth of the subject. So you get to learn, so for example, you get to learn natural language for I think. I think that's one of the terms for artificial intelligence and machine learning. For example, you want to pick, you want to specialize in natural language processing. We have to have a few, we have to take a few starter courses and mm. then intermediate course and then followed by the advanced one. It's very step-by-step basis. Well, yet there are a few free recommendations. I think there are more free recommendations that we need to, we need to take into account before specializing into different focus areas. Yeah, I'll hold it there. So for the audience to understand is that when you say more independence, they get to choose their own subjects in university. Let's go back to that situation is that when you are deciding to choose the, the university subjects and you also have peers, like some of your friends, like guys and girls, also have to choose the university subjects. What was the challenges that, what was what's the challenge of choosing when in the previously you were given, you're given, I say, this X, A, B, C subjects. What is the challenges that you notice yourself and your friends when decided to choose the subjects then compared to before that you were given whatever you're given? Yeah, correct. Yeah, that, that's a good question. For how I actually navigate through that was actually a few challenges that arose in choosing those subjects was actually that at the start of university, you actually get involved a few friends with that. You go to the orientation groups at the same time to, to get yourself oriented with university life and also with your batch rate. And then you get to know a few friends over there. At the start, you are actually, I think one of the challenges that you bear for you, for example, a lot of students go with the path. I think it's actually one of the, one of the more common ways that you must see where we were all peers. For example, if our peers are taking us, we forget. We tend to follow them or we tend to ask them, okay, what class is in? Can we eat together? Because yeah. in the university, there's a lot of, there's a lot of project work mm. and there's a lot of, the workload of project work and when they say find the theoretical aspect of the syllabus, it's actually quite similar. In secondly, we, it's actually bad. It's a very balanced way. Definitely, we actually need to work on various projects together throughout our university life. So throughout the three years, definitely, I think, one of the challenges, actually, I think that fear of, okay, so if I don't go with my friends, it's all for the fear that I actually had. If we don't go with our friends, then who are we going to team up with? What if, that's not what is, what is the, the teammate that I was team up with actually doesn't perform that well or he doesn't know a lot of the things that are, that he's required to actually perform well on the field for that. What if my teammate is actually, I think at the time it's free, and <laughs> we just go, they don't do any work, and they just, not on the team, and then somebody has to carry carry the the team from actually perform well in the project. So I think that there's a lot of these what you questions, but I think definitely for me, what I learned was that in the three years that I had this fear was actually this is practically something that you can overcome because the only way to 
to solve this fear and actually to face it. So I think that's actually one of my, one of my key points in university was actually, don't go with the crowd. Why not? I go, let's say I do a module together. I do a module, my, I didn't know any uh, fresh uh, kids, right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't go with, go with my friends, I don't go with anyone. So definitely take a particular module uh, alone. And then at the same time over there, when during uh, tutorial sessions, we network with, with more fun people. I think that's one of the ways. And actually, for the grades wise, it wasn't that hard off from doing friends because it can actually, the outcome can actually be better sometimes because you actually meet, you know, when you actually network with more students, more people, some of these are actually, some of them are actually geniuses that don't even know that they could go a uh, lot of, let's say, Java programming or they don't even know that some of them actually intend for companies like Google or you know, all these, all these stuff. Yeah. So you, when you actually brought that network and brought your comfort zone, I think you tend to realize that this skill is actually quite intended sometimes. You tend to, you know, you tend to overthink sometimes on, on a lot of these areas or aspects. So I think, though, then don't overthink, though, step up of the comfort zone to actually be brave to actually do things yourself more independently. Be, be more, be more courageous to actually talk to people, talk to your veterans. So you never know who you'll meet. You never know who you learn from. I think those are one of the uh, most unexpected moments of actually in my final year where I actually met a lot of, I actually did a lot of things independently. I actually met a lot of protecting it. They actually really smart and I learned a lot from them. So I think definitely try to work out. I think that's one of the, one of the key points that, that I've learned at the end of my university day. Yeah. So you're saying that, yeah, during the university days, you tried, the, the challenge was to, should I go with the crowd or don't go with the crowd? Because if I go with the crowd, there's a safer route where I can work right. with the same yeah. or reliable people. And yeah, if I, think, I don't work yeah. with the crowd, I get to learn to network and sometimes take a higher risk, but also higher return. Maybe getting a better grade or working with even fantastic people. Through that whole university, can I say that the beauty about university, it gives you a incubator or sheltered environment for you to take risks, to try out things that you wouldn't have tried out. And, and to encourage students who decided to go into university is to learn to discover their, their ability and to take risks to, to, to do things that they would have otherwise not do it. Yes, correct, correct. Yeah, certainly, I think you really uh, nailed the point that, you know, uh, you know uh, getting out of comfort zone, actually do things that you never thought. Because I think all of us, we, you know, we first section that, I think most of us do that, do prefer that. Because I don't want to think of the person, the, the self, responsibility that may come, the consequences, sorry, the negative consequences that may come with choosing a different path. I think most of us do not want to go there or not want to explore that side of university life. But yeah, I've tried both and it's not too bad. Yeah, so go and try, try some, do different things as compared to be born of safety, safe environment. I think it's still the best planning for you to actually go out there and make friends. Definitely network a lot with, especially professors, with friends, with people that you've never met before. And I think extend the unexpected. There, there are a lot of a lot of areas that you can go to to actually get yourself to learn from. Because, for example, university, especially for poly students, I think some of them do. Especially for me, because my, for my particular course, we do like the knowledge 
the math knowledge that maybe that comes with a rigorous syllabus of GC. Because I think most of them, it took issue math, at GC level issue math. Over there, they actually do a lot of copious one, copious two, and a lot of, I think, discrete math was actually, it's also, yeah, actually also some discrete math, which we never touched in poly. I think poly students in foundation for mathematics is not that strong for some of us. How do you make up for that? Yes. How do you actually make up for that? It's actually middle around this JC students. And from then, ask them a lot of questions. And especially identify, I think identify the ones that we are. Definitely there are people in yeah. university that find their own business. You don't talk to me, I won't talk to you. Yeah, there are people like that. But I think mostly for, for myself, why I did was actually to identify people that, you know, can really help you out. Good and strong to help you out. I think those, and sometimes it's quite unexpected. Some, some, and I think the most important people in university, the most important are their seniors. I think those are the ones that they have been through that path. They have been through those different modules. And when I took natural language processing, one the advanced mod- module in my final year, yeah. it was actually one of the toughest things that I've ever done in my life. But I think I'm a transformer model. Both can find that stuff. It's really intense. Yeah, so for the audience out there who, who is very new to artificial intelligence, natural language processing is one of the aspects of artificial intelligence. A, a more simpler use case, Hisham, maybe you can continue correct me if I'm wrong, is a, just an example is to a chatbot where you go onto a bank or you go to e-commerce where there's a somebody at the back end that say, hey, welcome to this website. And you have this, you can type your English or Chinese or whatever language that you feel comfortable, right? Yeah, that's right, yeah. Then a very good example of the uh, application. And uh, I think in Metal is actually Google Translate all the stuff that actually using NLP in the algorithms too, mm-hmm. or in the models too. I think what that's one of the, I think it's used a lot in model, in language models, in linguistic models also. Yeah. So I think and it has a lot of music in those two. Okay. So coming back while you're learning in university, I think as part of the university curriculum, you have to take an internship, right? Tell us more yeah. about, again, from the poly days, you're trying to get internship. Now, university, you need to get internship. What goes through your mind when you're now trying to get internship in the university days? And how is it different from the poly days? Yeah, definitely. For university, definitely is for your, I think, end ultimate year, you have to actually, it's actually part of truth. Okay, so this is actually something new that, that I learned. Mm-hmm. Not all of the courses actually send their students or require their students to actually do an internship. So, I was actually quite surprised. That was the problem. But, Apparently, for other courses, for some other courses, they don't actually require their students to go for an internship. So it's not required for you to go do an internship for you to graduate at the end. So for, but for computer science, it's actually, actually part of our system. I think it's, it's a very fast moving industry. So definitely a lot of things that you need to, after you have learned a lot of the university, there's a lot of theoretical aspects to it. Like in Cephas, right, there's theoretical. So there may be less less chances for you to apply when you more. Projects are just one aspect of And let's say for you want to link it to the industry-wide yeah. use cases. Less chances for you to apply to industry-wide aspects. Definitely, the ship is one of the core core to decide. And they actually get a chance to actually go out to the industry to achieve that for a while to actually apply what we've done of you. Whether or not it algorithms that we took the algorithm. Algorithm, one do like, actually apply that to model programming on how 
and at the same time to actually explore more on what it takes for us to be so engineer. Tell us more about Hisham when you apply for internship in the university. Is it the same as Polytechnic where they arrange it for you or you have to choose it yourself? Yes, so it, it's quite different for Shan. So Polytechnic for you, okay. but for university, you actually have to they actually give you a photo where you actually have manually applied in some. Oh, yes. But they do provide you with various companies that they are willing to, at a point of time, ready to take in events and, and pay them. Yeah. For example, they actually, for SU itself, I work for other universities, but for SU, they actually have a portal and we can actually swing with their portal open during that period of time. I think it was around two weeks, the portal will open. I think we can choose and apply what kind of companies you want to you want to apply to. Mm-hmm. So they actually give you a limited choice. So they can only apply for three at any particular point of any particular point of time. You can only apply for three companies. Yeah. Oh, so how many companies are there normally given when you can apply three? Is it three out of three or three out of a hundred or what? Yes. So for, I think you have to actually decide on three in the end. The top three companies you would love to know. There are hundreds to thousands of companies. Wow. Yes. So definitely an advice is actually to know what are the companies that you're interested in. And I think one good way to know that is actually through hackathons again. Because definitely in uni, I, I worked for a lot of school for that. I, yeah. I worked for a lot of participants. I think one of the hackathons that I joined was actually... Mm. So, so that was actually... And one of the people who were in charge of the hackathons actually came down and he was working in an important time. And he actually went to his speech. He actually went through the leadership principle from AWS. He went through what the cutting from the technologies that the services have. And then at the same time, the culture that they just have. So I was actually during that speech, I was actually quite inspired on, on what I was actually quite inspired to actually apply for an AWS. So I, I asked them out mm-hmm. and at the same time I experimented with Puff right now just doing the doing the hackathon mm-hmm. and I got an idea to apply over then. I love the culture. And based on the speech that he made, I love our sharing man. Hackathon, is it a digital hackathon or you have to go on site? Yes, that's a the thing is, for this one, that role, COVID, it wasn't there. Oh, so, yeah. so both your hackathons in the polytechnic days and the university days happen to be on-site, right? Yes. Uh, I was wondering, yes. would you have any advice there are kids who have to go online hackathon? Oh, yeah. I, I think I've any experience for me. Oh, tell us about it. I actually applied, yeah. So if I've got a great opportunity, they call it the DSC program, because students are welcome to apply. And then over there, when you apply, you actually get to them. So let me explain more on the first side. So when you apply to this is one of the good programs that is not that is offered by the government of Singapore. Mm-hmm. So one of the top things in Singapore at the moment, which focuses they actually focusing a lot on digitalization, focusing a lot on uh, digital transformation at 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 this point of time. So definitely one of the top things in Singapore, which graduates like us when confined, uh, will not to explore. So definitely, um, I, I, I did apply and uh, their process was you have to go through when you apply at the same time. Well, I think that one of the, uh, one of the uh, technologies right now that is being used where companies, addiction processes actually handled by chatbots rather than physical, you know, rather than manually by human. I just, you know, be faced with a chatbot and then that's where you get to know more about your information, your information data, all this stuff. After that, you actually be directed to a technical test. 
But this sample test actually will, there's actually a few questions or a few coding questions. They have three of us. They can put test uh, personality test. And at the same time, there's also, I think it's, it's part of an IQ test also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's a lot of tests that you have to go through. It's perfect. And after that, after you pass uh, all the tests and they are happy with your performance uh, in those central tests, then they will want to invite me for Hackathon. This was one of the more interesting company I reprocessing that I've experienced. So it's not the normal major, you should say you. So they actually get the world or well, Hackathon, an mm-hmm. online Hackathon. Because I actually did it last year. Very recent. Yeah. How was that experience yeah. like doing an online Hackathon and all Hackathons? Yes. So online Hackathon very different because when I fun went to Hackathon, you are you don't know anybody there. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing you don't know anybody there. And the second thing is actually you there's a lot very awkward moments in online because they, because a lot of people they they tend not to on their mic or they are uncomfortable with putting on their video on things like that. I guess it's more difficult to communicate with uh, the OP because you are just doing the hackathon or doing the digital hackathon. You are just with the mic and then we have we have to adapt to the working styles on five or four different people at, at the time. And then we have only like uh, eight hours to eight, like six to eight hours long hackathon. So you have to you have to do it very fast. And at the same time, doing it with people that you don't even know, you haven't even met. Yeah. I think one of the areas, key areas of online hackathons is key communication. I think never, for me, my, my key, my key point is actually never have any awkward silence. I think those, those this is unnecessary. During the hackathon, I actually had a lot of communication with me. I think more than more. At the same time, the first three hours was actually us strategizing our application on and then delegating tasks on and stuff. I think, I think the initiative would be the person who organizes the game. I think that's one of the key aspects of like online hackathon. Okay, uh, hang on to that. Let me paraphrase again out there for the audience. In the offline hackathon, you get to choose your teammates, right? Based on your personal experience, you get to choose who comes into the team and work on the problem. Whereas in the <laughs> online hackathons, wow. you're randomized, you don't even know the guy, and you have to spend that time on knowing your guy during the course of the hackathon. Am I right to say that? Is that the, the key yeah. difference? I think it's for offline hackathons, you're uh, partly right on that. Because for offline hackathons, we go at the start of it, we don't actually know anyone also. But I think it's easier to get to know them. Because hackathon, you can keep up there, you can know them better. Just another session, just before the hackathon, the hackathon. So I think it's easier to navigate through this process of uncertainty where safety of more teammates' personalities or teammates' skills. I think it's easier to do it offline at the box. Yeah, but online at the box definitely it's more uncertainty involved over there because you never know when this person is so sad or not, whether this person has what kind of personality they have. Definitely it's a challenge. But navigate through that is actually a lot of communication. On online, they are not more Vacation happening on the desk where actually find out, okay, what do you, what it takes to actually do the application? Do we delegate this? Do we delegate that? For so are you more interested in front end, back end, or give the API on the spot? So definitely communicate a lot to the team. I think that this is on the key point. Ah, okay. So maybe let me explain out there. So what I noticed, what you mentioned is that because in the offline hackathon, 
Yes, initially everybody also don't know each other, but there is a, a gestation period or a period where before the actual hackathon start offline, people actually spend more time knowing each other. And therefore the right. trust and understanding builds up. So when the actual work gets done during the offline hackathon, it's just faster. Whereas in the online hackathon, people have to spend time to onboard themselves. Onboarding, I have to know who you are, what are you good at, what, what, is, what do you mean by your communication languages, so that the trust, the understanding builds up. And that has to be built during the hackathon itself. Yes, uh, okay. yeah. And also the thing the challenge was actually, I think you, you are a, you are some software engineer, you and me have our own stats and we are comfortable with PX. They want to go with, but there can be a point of time where in the start of the hackathon, each of us want to work on our own stack. Sometimes for me, let's say if I prefer Flutter mm-hmm. and uh, let's say Express GS for the end yes, okay. and uh, Flutter for finance. Okay. And then for example, for you, yes. it takes a bit of convincing. Sometimes you have to convince, maybe let's say if I find that, okay, React GS or React Finance is actually the fastest service for me. I think it takes a bit of convincing mm-hmm. at the start. To, to really motivate your team or to find your team to actually work on the stack. That, ah, anyway, that is what you get most support on at the point of fact. I'm just thinking out loud. So let's say for companies out there hearing this audience like human resource directors and they want to use Hackathon or hire, do you think maybe before they actually onboard them to uh, the online Hackathon, that needs to be an onboarding process and the selection shouldn't be randomized. It should be like, for example, asking you and say, Hisham, you like Flutter, right? I should, they should like, okay, I have a Flutter front-end guy, a Flutter back-end guy, ExpressJS, MongoDB guy, and then a Python for AI or middleware. And they put these people with a pre-preference for their stack. So that from the get-go, the tools are very familiar. Then they just need to build the communication. They don't need to figure out the stack. They don't need to figure out the communication. They don't need to figure out trust. These are three different components to figure out, right? Isn't that the case? Yeah, but I think for, I I think you, you made a good point on that. Put before the scene, stack experience together. But I think that also defeat the purpose of that, the bar also, where they actually, I think some of the basic HR managers and some of these people who are, who are going to grade you for the after bar, they actually want to see how you perform. I think that's one of the key areas that you want to know. To know. So for example, I'm familiar with the spec. Mm-hmm. How fast do I learn it? Or what, how do I navigate through that? Where if I've never done React before. I've never done ExpressJS as a backend before. They want to see really how they want to they want to know how you actually tackle this problem. Um, I think that's one of the awesome. Okay, about that. As we wrap up part two of our podcast episode with Sham, we've gained invaluable insights into his captivating journey in the world of university life and computer science. Now, get ready for part three, where we delve into the transformative landscape of technology and education. In this next segment, Sham shares his experiences and challenges of transitioning from offline to online learning during the pandemic, highlighting the impact on project-based evaluations. We'll explore the advantages of cloud computing, including transparent pricing and adaptability to changing workloads. Join us as we dive into Sham internship at Oz, where he gained first-hand knowledge of cloud technology and the importance of certifications. We'll also discuss the differences between online and offline internship, emphasizing effective communication and offline sessions for team report. Get ready for an enlightening exploration of continuous learning, adaptability, and the evolving intersection of technology and education. Stay tuned for part three, where we uncover the transformative power of technology and the insights gained during Sham's internship. Hi, guys. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If this is the first time you are tuning in, 
Remember to subscribe to this show. If you have subscribed to this show and love this app, please share it with your friends, family, and acquaintances. See you later, and see you soon.